0: Everyone and welcome to episode one of the Rico's Watches podcast. My name is Eric. I'll be your host today, and I'm here with our lovely guest, Alex, aka your authorized dealer, on Instagram. Alex is going to be here to talk to us today about memes and his collection and his views on the Watch Fam and community. So with that being said, uh, before we get into any of the business, let's start off with our uh, very first, but uh, traditional, or going to be soon to be a tradition of uh, wrist checks. What do you got on the wrist today, Alex?
1: Yeah, sure, Eric. Um, I have, uh, it's kind of gotten a lot of press recently. I have the new Blancpain 50 Fathoms um, Mil-Spec Hodinky Limited Edition. Wow. It's on an uh, Erica's Originals um, Marine Nationale uh, strap.
0: That's beautiful. It's an incredible watch. How do you like it so far?
1: So yeah. I, uh, I absolutely love it. Um, it's a great watch. It has a lot of quirks, and I also kind of hate it. Go on. So it's absolutely absurd um, for a few different reasons. Um, one... Bobcon as a whole does not have any divers between 40 and 42 millimeters in their regular production. Um, They have 37, 43 and 45, but like, you know, with the Sub and Seamaster and all of those, they don't have like a normal traditional sized diver. Um, They only do them in limited editions, which is part of the reason why I think a lot of people bought this watch. Um, And I really don't understand why They don't have a regular production version. Um, And that's actually a big reason why I bought this. Um, And I have to say it's an absolutely amazing watch. Um, It's the only watch I know of with a functioning moisture indicator, the little poke ball or whatever you wanna call it that's on the dial. Mm -hmm. Um, It has a see-through case back. It's beautifully, beautifully finished and decorated. Uh, has a hundred hour reserve. I don't really know of that many divers with a hundred hour reserve and it's also really thin for a diver. It's 13 millimeters um, which I mean that's not super thin but compared to like a planet ocean at like 16 millimeters and i I think a sub is comparable um, but it's relatively thin for what it is. so mm. has a lot a lot going for it.
0: Sounds like a tr- a terrific watch. it's an awesome buy. We'll have to talk a little bit more about that uh, later in the show today.
1: Yeah so for and on my oh go ahead what's it saying what are you wearing
0: oh on uh my wrist today i'm going to be wearing my tudor pelagos on a diabolic uh paratrooper canvas strap so the pelagos is my go-to i love that watch wear it every day or as often as i can it uh i feel like it's best suited for my life and all the conditions that I put it through a little bit thicker, I think than uh, the near watch. I think the Pelagos comes in at about 14 or 14 and a half millimeters, but love it to death and uh, an awesome watch. So um, with that, let's get started on uh, kind of letting the family, the watch fam know, and and the listeners know about kind of your page and how'd you get started with the whole uh, watch meme, kind of world how'd you get into that
1: yeah so I work um kind of like in tech doing techie things um mm-hmm. and as part of that I had access to photoshop and InDesign and, and stuff um and I'd made memes before um when I was in undergrad I actually ran a, another meme page that's now defunct that did relatively well um mm-hmm. uh and so I had made a few memes, um, and I have to say I absolutely love the watch community, and I also love the watch meme community. Um, mm-hmm. Because when I DM'd Birdinky and Watch Humor and a New York City watch guy and a few of those bigger meme pages, um, they responded right away. We started chatting. I had a couple ideas for memes, and I sent them to them, um, and they loved it. They thought it was hilarious. Mm-hmm. And after I did that two or three times, I was like, you know, I I should stop just giving these freebies to. To these people, and just start my own. Um, but I didn't appreciate how how hard it is. Um, I know that sounds ridiculous. It's a meme. Anyone can make a meme. Um, but it's actually just the the constant volume of what you have to do in order to keep engagement up. Mm-hmm. Is you really can't go more than a couple of days without posting. And that if you ne- go and look at the big meme pages, they're posting every day, multiple times a day. And that mm-hmm. actually takes a lot of a lot of effort that I didn't really appreciate going into this
0: definitely definitely and so what made you want to start a meme page instead of like a traditional like wrist shot page or just a collection page kind of showing off your collection uh
1: i believe new york city watch guy is trying to get wristy to catch on i hate i hate the term wristy but uh i didn't want to create just another wristy page um i just feel like there's a lot of them on instagram and i was trying to figure out what i could offer people who followed like I don't have a super large collection I think it's a really cool collection but it's Mm -hmm. not super large and so I didn't have a ton of varied content that I could post Um, I wanted to be able to engage the watch community and also it's one of those things that I have a personal Instagram but like if I post all my watches on my personal Instagram all my friends are probably going to judge me in some capacity (laughs) or think I'm weird and so it's like I wanted to create a watch page I tried to create a watch page and I just realized You know, I think the best watch pages are the ones that have like a decent amount of variety and I just don't have that. Um, And so just thinking about it, I figured it was a good way of, hey, you know, it takes me minutes to make a meme. I can make a meme. And even if it only makes a few people, a few people chuckle like, hey, you know, that's some engagement. And that's more than I would be getting if I posted my Grand Seiko seven times because I only have like four watches.
0: Hey, you know what? Fair enough. I mean, I've always talked about keeping a, a tight collection, keeping a small collection, right? So I, I can totally appreciate only having four or five watches. Yeah, so I think that's how I ended up getting turned on to your page. Yours and uh, Dinky's was both, uh, you guys made some hilarious memes in reaction to the uh, Hodinky travel clock debacle.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, I definitely remember remember making that meme. Um, and, you know, a big thing is, is that some memes are easy and some are hard um but for that that one that was what everyone was talking about you know you couldn't go to any watch page watch outlet without talking about the travel clock and so i saw what brodinky had done in watch humor um for me i like to to pick on people a little bit more than a lot of other pages um i can maybe be a little bit meaner um i try and stay respectful but mean um but I just was trying to think of like what the typical person who bought a travel clock would be like. Um, and you can kind of imagine what you'd, what the typical hodinky purchaser reader would be like. And then I just thought about what's like the, the complete polar opposite of that. Um, and that'd probably be like a watch you seek user. Like the people who use watch you seek tend to be like really old and crotchety. Okay. Um, and so it was just a really good way of being able to poke fun at two different communities while being able to, to compare them against each other for for a few chuckles.
0: Interesting. Interesting. That's uh that's a unique perspective. I've always been a watch you seek user. So I, <laughs> I
1: guess, I guess, you know, you're your an Hodin- old soul, Eric, I guess. You're uh, an guess, old soul, Eric.
0: I guess we know you're a, uh, you're a Hodinkee guy based on the watch on your wrist today. So <laughs> with, so with that being said, what, uh, what is your opinion of, of Hodinke, and especially Hodinkee as of late with the, uh, the buyout from, was it LVMH and all of the other little things that they've had going on like with the travel clock and then obviously some of their limited editions recently as well too selling out in, in seconds and uh, some of them at hyper inflated values. So I
1: really, I don't actually particularly like Hodinkee. um, Mm -hmm. But I also think if you're into watches at all, you have to appreciate them and what they've done for the watch community. They've really helped, especially with all the hype since COVID and how the watch market has gone absolutely bonkers. Um, They have really been a big part in building the community these past 10 years. They were one of the really big first, you know, like watch blogs and online vintage watch dealers. So, Mm. um, you know, you have to really appreciate all that they've done for the community in terms of connecting the community and all of their write-ups and they have a great podcast and all of that. Um, Mm. That being said, I think they're, they kind of also represent what I like to make fun of in the watch community a little bit like Houdinki's a little bit elitist. And I think, you know, the uh, the travel clock is a really good representation of that. They sent out an email, like trying to get everyone super hyped up about it. And they're saying how this is like a great product and ended up being like a $6,000 travel desk clock Um, and you know, it just missed the mark in that like, Hey, the typical person can barely afford, probably can't even afford like a $6,000 watch to begin with, Mm -hmm. let alone a desk clock. And so I think that's, that's one of the issues with Hodinkee. And I think it's also apparent in a lot of their releases, um, especially the, the, the Blancpain that I'm wearing, um, it sold out in under 15 minutes, you know, that's millions and millions in revenue for Hodinkee and for Blancpain. Um, that being said, like, there's a few things that missed the mark on the watch that were like, I think, I think it was kind of rushed. I don't know when they decided to start designing this collaboration with Blancpain, but, uh, for instance, it only came with a NATO, the original mil-spec, uh, Blancpain from like the fifties also came on a NATO. So I get it. But when you're spending this amount of money, um, I feel like there should be some other option besides just a NATO. And it wasn't even that nice of a NATO. Like I have a $40 like RRL NATO that I picked up that's like significantly nicer quality. Um, And then I went and checked how much the bracelet would be because they make a bracelet for it. Mm. And it was three grand and I'm not gonna go spend three grand on an already super expensive purchase. Um, There's a few other things that like the hands are so long and it has a domed crystal that you actually can't see the ends of the hands. Like they're, they're so far off and because there's distortion around the edge of the crystal, you can't see the edge of the hands and that multiple other owners that I've talked to have commented on like how that's kind of annoying. Um, and then I know this probably bugs you too, um, but it's a mil spec and it doesn't hack. Mm-hmm. And I get that it's high horology and a lot of comparable watches like the VC overseas doesn't hack either. You know, mm-hmm. and some Pateks don't hack, like it's a thing. But I feel like especially being a mil spec where you're supposed to be able to like synchronize the watches. Not being able to hack is just kind of weird.
0: That does seem like kind of an oversight considering the kind of history that they're trying to uh, associate with the watch, with it being a military spec piece right now. I don't know if the original mil specs hacked. Um, That'd be something worth looking up even later down, down the road. But I think that from a modern context, um, you know, almost every military watch now, or I guess most military watches now, are are, are quartz or are digital. But uh, the modern the modern automatic and manual wind uh, military watches from the 60s, 70s, and 80s, eventually they were all uh, hacking as part of their specifications and requirements. So it seems like a bit of a missed opportunity. But I mean, perhaps they were going for extreme authenticity. Uh, when they they went with a uh, a non hacking movement, perhaps that that is how they were back then. It'd be worth uh, worth checking that out.
1: Yeah, it's just it's it has it has so many oddities. Um I know, mm-hmm. I know there's actually a lot of people who who bought them and without the intention to flip, but they're also going over retail right now. And so I think that we're going to actually be seeing more and more of them pop up secondhand and on the gray market just because. I think people actually love the watch. I hate this phrase, but in the metal less mm-hmm. um, than they were expecting because I think mm-hmm. it photographs super well. Um, it really does, and I absolutely love mine. But it definitely has a lot of quirks.
0: Makes sense. Makes sense. Maybe it's something that didn't quite deliver the impact that uh, the people that bought it initially were hoping for. So I definitely, I definitely appreciate that. Hopefully, hopefully, uh, you know, when it hits the secondary market that allows some other people that maybe really wanted to watch the opportunity to get their hands on it as well. So obviously aside from your Blanc Palm, which I think that was your more, your most recent purchase uh, based on our conversations previously, what else do you have in your collection?
1: Yeah. So for me, I had a really bad time during lockdown and COVID and just not going outside. And a lot of my hobbies involved social and being outdoors and so not being able to do that um the watch community and watch collecting kind of filled that that gap Mm -hmm. um and so i went a little bit nuts i think i ended up purchasing like i don't even know like 10 or 20 watches over the course of lockdown over the course of 2020 and i didn't buy them all at once i would buy like one wear it for a week or two realize that i just bought this because i was bored and it didn't really click with me and then i would go and sell it and then i did that like 10 more times um But again, I said, like, I don't like having watches that just sit in the watch box that like actually being able to wear all of them. Um, So right now I have the, I have the Blompon. I have a Grand Seiko Snowflake SBGA 211 like the classic Grand Seiko of reference um, with the spring drive. Um, I have a Z blue Rolex Milgauss um, which is like the, the sunburst dial with the green crystal and an orange lightning bolt hand. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I have a Chopard Mealmelia Milia uh, GMT. That, mm-hmm. was a, that was actually a, an engagement gift for my father-in-law. Um, and so th- those are like the four that I have um, and they all to a certain extent have sentimental value. So I'm not really ever going to sell these four. Um, and then I have some others that like I'll be floating around and I'll buy and try. Um, and I actually, so this actually isn't the most recent. I actually did manage to get um, one of the Ming 2701s. Um, Interesting. That they launched, they did the final batch last week. I have a lot, a lot of friends who have Ming's. And honestly, for the value, um, I haven't seen one in person. I'm very excited. They have like a six-month lead time. So you'll have to mm. ask me again in like July if it ever arrives. When we'll I um, have you back on the show. But Yeah, when you have me back on the show, I'll finally have the Ming. Um, but I do have a, a Ming incoming as well.
0: That's awesome. So other than the Ming that's incoming, are there any other uh, pieces that you're looking at picking up next?
1: So I think that there's a lot of really interesting stuff going on in the super, super high end. Mm-hmm. You know, and the like above 15, above 20K, like Moser with the new beautiful green streamliner. Um, there's a lot of stuff going on with Gronfeld. I don't know if I said that right, but with grownfeld oh, yeah. um, uh, Kodoki or Kadok, I don't, the German dude, Stefan, um, who makes the quote unquote penis watch. If you ever look at the back of the the case back, it kind of, kind of looks like a penis. Yes, um, yes, I've seen and it. so there's a lot of really, it actually, they all are really interesting stuff going on within the independence. Um, but what's more interesting to me actually is the, the sort of like, I don't want to call it affordable because even $500, you know, isn't really that affordable to the typical person. Um, but in the like sub 2000, sub 3000 range, I think there's a lot of really interesting stuff and that's probably where I would go next. Um, the Ming was 4,000. And I think that for the value, it's basically an in-house movement. It's an, uh, it's an ETA 7,001, but it's been completely reworked. Um, I think there's like one plate that's like been left original and everything else has been modified. Um, Mm. But one of your watches is actually one of the ones that I would seriously consider. Um, I know you have a brew retromatic. I think that brew is super interesting. You know, they picked a target. They're a coffee watch. Their chronographs have special notations for um, when you're making espresso, how long you leave it in before you pull it. Um, Mm. And so it has like a specific call out for espressos. I think that's just like such a niche, but I'm also super into coffee. So it's super cool. Um, I also have always been really into Traska. Um, they're a micro brand out of Florida Mm -hmm. and they have this incredible, um, mint dial dive watch Mm -hmm. that they, he's only done a few watches. Um, and they're actually, they're like $400, but they've all been going pretty consistently over retail. Um, so they're kind of hard to get and he's doing the launch in March. So that's probably where I would be looking next. Um, just because I can't afford, you know, the super cool stuff going on in the super high end realm of watches.
0: Oh, definitely. So you're looking at more of like the independent micro brand kind of, kind of section of the
1: market right now? I think that there's just a lot of a lot of variation. I, I think um, the Swatch Group stopping supply of the the ETA movements to people outside of the Swatch Group um, has actually been really good for the industry um, just because it led to so many different movement supply buyers kind of springing up and being able to take center stage. And that has also made it so much more affordable for these micro brands to, to pop up. I don't know how many of them are still going to be around in five to 10 years. And so if you're really concerned about like longevity of the brand, I don't know if I would necessarily go there, but mm. from just a pure interest and in variability point of view, I definitely think like the, the micro brands and the like sub 2000 range.
0: Well, there's that appeal with um, these other third-party movement suppliers that are still available to the the open market for people to get access to parts and and movements, right? Um, So even if some of these brands are gone, uh, their movements will still be serviceable because, you know, the Sellita SW200s and 300s are still going to be tons of parts availability, the SoProd movements, things like that, right? So I think uh, there's definitely that appeal to it as well. Going back to Brew... Um, we're friends of the of the brew watch company here at the Rico's watches podcast I think they're awesome and uh, John he's running a one-man operation over there all by himself and uh, taking care of everything and he's great to talk to he's open to chatting with the community and he makes some beautiful watches Uh, I definitely don't think you can go wrong if you start looking at uh, picking up one of one of their pieces as well for sure
1: I mean, so, if you can find one, they're all sold out right now.
0: Well, they are. I mean, you know, I got I got one box and papers. Just saying, you know, maybe you could twist my rubber arm one day, but uh, <laughs> we'll we'll see. We'll see. It depends what I have coming in, I suppose. If I need to clear some room out of the watch box. So, uh, obviously, you have a diverse, a uh, very interesting collection. Some fantastic high horology pieces, and you're interested in some of the. Um, independent micro brands on the lower end of the uh, cost scale as well so what is sort of your philosophy then surrounding collecting like what is your philosophy with your collection and the pieces that you want to buy or the pieces that speak to you what what is what what makes you tick as a person
1: Ah, tick. I'm sure you didn't. I'm sure you did that on purpose because you love bad puns. Um, I do. (laughs) But I think for me, what I've realized is that watches aren't necessary. You know, they're not. the The money that you're spending on a watch, you know, it's it could go towards food or or shelter or or healthcare or whatever. Um, And so, for me, if you're going to spend this sort of money on, it's disposable income. It's discretionary. On something like a watch, it should be something that has sentimental value, um, mm-hmm. because also watches are have been completely are completely outdated, right? Like you mm-hmm. can use your phone, you don't need a watch, or you can go use a smartwatch or any fifty dollars quartz watch, and it'll tell time just as well as a ten thousand dollars Rolex. And so what I realized for me is, is that it really has to be emotional or sentimental. So like for me, the the Grand Seiko, I had talked with my wife, um, now wife, then fiance about how I love the the SBGA 211 um, Snowflake because of the dial. Like it was really textured. I thought it was super cool. I showed it to her. She was never really into watches. She thought it was super cool. So she actually went and, and bought it for me when we got engaged. That was her engagement gift to me. And so obviously she's a keeper, um, but that watch obviously has a lot of sentimental value to me. Um, and then um, when, we got in, when we got married, her dad has a really big watch collection. Obviously I didn't know this when we... Started going out, ended up just being really lucky in that regard. Um, but we were watching Ford versus Ferrari, um, great movie. And he had a Chopard, Amelia GMT that he didn't wear. Um, it was like 15 years old. Um, and he actually just asked me to try it on. I thought it was super cool. I'd never really worn a Chopard or knew anything about the brand. Um, and he was like, you know what? I, I haven't worn this in years, like you keep it. And so that watch has a lot of sentimental value to me as well. Um, I do think everything going on, and this is also part of what inspires my memes, is because I think watches should be sort of sentimental, important, emotional purchases. Um, The current watch market has kind of screwed that up, right? Like Mm -hmm. I got a new job and I finally had the income to be able to to play around in this higher income playground of watches. Um, And I wanted to go buy my first Rolex to, to celebrate the job. I walked into my local dealer um, and I wanted a Z-Blue Milgauss, which is not, you know, I'm not asking for a Daytona. I'm not asking for a GMT or a sub, you know, it's kind of, it's not like one of the most popular models. He was like, oh, we haven't had one um, in a year. He's like, I can put you on the wait list though. And if we get one to get in, we'll, we'll reach out. And me not knowing any better thought, okay, sure. I'll, I'll do that. Um, Thinking there actually was a wait list. There probably wasn't. and then it took about a year and a half later, he just called me one day mm. at like 3 p.m. on a Monday. And he's like, hey, like I just got one in. Um, do you want it? If you don't, I'll hold it for you for the rest of the day and you can buy it if you want. And if you don't, I'll sell it tomorrow. Um, he said it in nicer language and I appreciated him being honest about it, but it wasn't like that Monday was a special Monday. you know. It mm. wasn't like when my kid was being born or had gotten a new job or something had happened. It literally was just like, hey, this is the day you're getting the call, and you have to say yes, or you're basically never going to get called again.
0: Yeah. So just kind of after the fact, it kind of kind of loses its loses its mojo, I guess, of the purchase, right? When uh, when it's so far after the fact, or when you when you went and got to be put on the list, right? Yeah.
1: So. so I still I still consider it my like current job, new job. Watch. It was like my reward for myself for getting the job. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just you can't really time it, and I feel like the timing, you no know, pun intended, of like. When you get a watch, kind of matters.
0: Yeah, well, it's like you're getting off probation watch, right?
1: <laughs> probation
0: at work. I was gonna no, say, uh, not, 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 I've, not, not, never, not been arrested or anything. Just probation off work.
1: <laughs> I was gonna say, I've never, I've never been convicted, Eric. So, so I haven't had to get a watch to celebrate that. But if that ever was the case, I think I would get a watch to celebrate it. Um, yeah, this, this has
0: been your episode of Felons and Fifty Fathoms. <laughs> <laughs>
1: All right. All right. Fair enough.
0: Apologies. I'll, I'll be more clear next time in my, in my puns and jokes. Um, okay. So you'd mentioned your wife bought you your grand Seiko, which is a beautiful purchase and extremely generous. That's, it's an incredible gift. What's uh, what is her opinion on watch collecting and this, the amount of income that goes into it. And, and it, it is a passion for you. What What is her, what is her thoughts?
1: So I think this is something where it, every person's relationship with their spouse or with whoever is different because these are mm-hmm. sort of discretionary superfluous purchases and the money could be spent, you know, for the price of that Grand Seiko, I probably could have had several super, super nice vacations or, you know, put it in savings or invested it. And if I had invested the money that we spent on the Grand Seiko back when COVID hit, I would have been able to buy three of them. So it isn't always the, the best decision. Um, that being said, most of the watches I buy, um, especially I was given to, but the watches that i buy are watches where I could more or less break even if I really needed to sell them. Like mm-hmm. if tomorrow I needed to have the money. And so from a certain perspective, especially with like the limited edition Blanc Pond and a Rolex, any Rolex sports model these days, um, you'll probably at least break even on them if not make a little bit. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of frame it as like, hey, like these are just more fun savings accounts um, you know, I could be putting the money in a 0.5% APY savings account. I do have my own emergency savings and investments. Like, yes, obviously, but when I put the money into this and she like, will be like, Oh, that's really expensive. I'm like, well, you know, in worst case, if we really needed it, it wouldn't be that terribly hard to liquidate and I wouldn't be losing money. And so you can't really wear a, a savings account to a certain, to a certain amount. And so that's part of the reason why she's okay with this.
0: Oh, that's awesome that's a it's a good argument and a good way of kind of framing it that uh you know maybe makes it feel a little bit more comfortable for her with the whole thing right i i definitely uh, think that's a good good explanation for it for sure
1: well so- you know the better the better reason is is you know the community and the 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 hobby aspect of it too right like mm-hmm. this, outside of the financial implications of it i met you through social media because i was into watches And so she's really supportive just because she sees how happy it makes me. And I've actually made friends through the sort of like watch community. Mm -hmm. And so that's probably an even better aspect of how she kind of feels about it. She's like, this is your thing. And this is how you make friends. Like you can go and keep doing this.
0: Oh, that's awesome. That's, That's super supportive and kind of her for sure. I know my it's kind of something my wife has started to appreciate with all this too. With starting the podcast, obviously, you know, becoming friends with you and other people in the community. Um, I think she's starting to kind of see that it's about more than just having something nice and wearing it around it's, it's about the people in it as well and sort of the, the groups and the individuals that you get to interact with within this hobby for sure with that. You um, talked a little bit about the community. So obviously, this this hobby is split up into a lot of different subgenres, right? I mean, you have the Seiko guys, you have the Rolex guys, you have the Panaristi, you also have the watch meme guys. So what is yeah. it? What what is like the inside perspective on the inside of the the watch meme universe of uh, of Instagram and and this hobby?
1: So I think actually we all approach it from a similar point of view I tend to go a little bit meaner I'm also a smaller page you know I have like 500 followers if I had 5,000 or 50,000 I would probably have to have to change the way I operate a little bit Um, but for me is that I feel like this hobby is very counterintuitively like very elitist and judgy Mm -hmm. you know that you make fun of certain people who you judge people based on the watch they wear you know Like, oh, like certain people have a certain reputation. Um, I know you're a big Panerai guy, that Panerai owners, people who are into Panerai, the Paneristi have their own reputation. Um, Mm. And there's good and there's a lot of bad to that reputation. Um, And so I actually really dislike watches as the status symbol and how much elitism and judginess there is within the community and I try and play on that um and so I'll also make fun of those those stereotypes you know I'll make fun of like oh the typical Panerai owner um you know is like a meathead kind of you know that's like a pretty pretty common common stereotype of someone that wears a Panerai um or you know the typical Daytona owner probably has a mistress and is 60 years old with a pot belly you know like there's a lot of a lot of stereotypes within within the watch world. Um, and I like to to poke fun at those, but when I'm poking fun at it, I'm not being serious. You know, like I don't actually think that every Panerai owner is a me head and every Daytona owner is 60 with a mistress. They can be 60 without a mistress. Um, <laughs> but that actually brings up a really good point in that the communities within communities is also a big draw of why someone should buy a watch Mm -hmm. because when someone asks like hey like what watch should I buy this is my budget a lot of times I feel the community aspect of it is is overlooked and so you know you were just saying like the Seiko guys the Panerai guys like whatever like sure you can just go buy a Seiko and a Panerai but it's also getting you membership into like the Seiko owner Club, the mm-hmm. Panerai owner, Paneristi Club, and you sort of become a part of that community. And I feel like when people are talking about like well, what watch should I buy, they don't think about the community aspect of each of the watches.
0: That's valid. It's really interesting, kind of kind of perspective or uh, way of looking at it for sure. It's it's kind of it. It's almost like yeah, when we purchase these pieces, it's like you said, it's like a pass into these different kind of subgenres and groups, right? And we really get to enhance the enjoyment of the piece that we've purchased through our interactions with other people in the community, right? So how do you feel like, you know, you're still growing your page, you're starting to become kind of a, I guess, sort of a public figure. Hopefully things like this help and, and engagement with other big pages and moving into the, into the future helps uh, grow your page even more. How do you feel like being part of the WatchFam or kind of being, uh, I guess, someone who provides these memes as sort of a service to the watch fam how do you think that's impacted your enjoyment of the hobby or how do you think those impacted your day-to-day life at all
1: you know i I, i'm i don't think it's made my life any better or worse um yeah i don't it's it's not that important um i will say definitely it makes me happy just because i'm able to connect with more people especially during during this past year it's been really difficult to be able to go out and socialize and have those connections Um, And so I've been really grateful in that regard. Um, I also just want to say the community as a whole, um, even those super, super big pages, a lot of the big pages follow me, I might only have 500 followers, but a lot of them, you know, are pretty well known. Um, And it's just because I reached out to them and started talking to them. And they were more than happy to start talking to me back and you know, it would, it was really welcoming into the community. When I had five followers, I messaged dinky he was super supportive and nice. And he immediately started reposting my stuff because he thought it was funny, mm-hmm. you know? And so that's, that's been a really, really welcome part to the community. Um, and I also just want to thank my followers. I might have 500, but I have super, super high engagement. Um, I'll get dozens. I've gotten over a hundred shares, which, you know, a hundred shares on a on a 500 follower page is a ton of shares Mm. Um, I've gotten, you know, every post is different, but so far I've had a lot of engagement. Um, Don't know how long I'll be able to keep that up. I hope I can keep the content good, but I also just wanted to thank my followers for being so incredibly engaged with my page.
0: Well, as, as one of your followers, you're welcome. Okay. So with that, then um, I think we're going to kind of start wrapping it up here with just one last question. So what, I suppose two last questions. So what is your, your grail piece? What is gonna be the the big one that I think is you know is gonna totally finish off the collection or at least be that 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 crown jewel in the collection for you?
1: So I don't know if I have a grail right now. I mean, I think everyone's grail kind of shifts over time with your with your life situations. Um you know, when I was in college, my grail was a speed. Master, you know, I was wearing a hundred dollar orient. Um, that was the most expensive piece I could afford, and then after college, the most expensive thing I could afford was an Apple Watch, and I had that Apple Watch for years. Um, and I just bought a block pun. So, like, I think it kind of shifts depending on your life stage. Um, mm. I don't really think I have like a super high end grail. Um, I think I would. I like the high horology. I like the history behind it. I love the finishing, having seen a lot of these high horology pieces in person. I would love to own, you know, like a JLC Master Ultra Thin at some point. Um, I would love to own one of the Trinity Sport Watches. And when I say Trinity Sport Watches, I don't mean Nautilus or Aquanaut because I will never be able to get one. I've just fully accepted that those are just completely outside the realm of possibility. You know, maybe if I, if I played my cards, right. One day I could get like a, a Royal Oak fifteen five hundred or a, or an overseas of some kind. Um, but right now I'm actually pretty content. Um, and I think it's just trying to appreciate what I have. Um, and then I might mix up the straps a little bit. Again, the strap that came on the bump kind of was pretty low quality. It's on the air original right now, which is absolutely incredible. Um, might try and get a different strap or if I suck it up, get the bracelet for, for it um or just something like that or maybe like a brew or traska or something in the in the micro brand realm or monta monta have really good quality i would strongly recommend them too um but i actually don't really have like a super super high-end grail right now
0: oh fair enough that's uh that's a good place to be in i suppose Is not not worrying about what the next piece is going to be right so
1: okay i also i still have the main coming in six months so i can't i was gonna say i know i know Oh, i have that coming and i feel like that's probably going to scratch the itch for scratch the itch for a while
0: for sure for sure that's a it's very exciting i'm excited for you as well so all right with that uh thanks so much for coming on as a guest you were fantastic to talk to and we appreciate your insights greatly into the meme world and, and watches and your collection and kind of who you are, uh, you know, who the face behind and, and the person behind uh, your authorized dealer. So with that being said, where can my listeners find you if they uh, want to engage with you?
1: Yeah, sure. So it's uh, it's just at your authorized dealer, um, all one word. And I don't know if I necessarily want people to just follow me because they're your listeners. I want them to to look at the page and if they like the content to please follow. Um, and I hope to always provide content that kind of engages my followers and that they, they find ads value or even if it's just in the form of a few laps to their day. Um, yeah. It's at your authorized dealer on Instagram.
0: Awesome. I think if anyone uh, goes over and takes a look, they'll find something that they enjoy on your page. It's an awesome page for sure. So uh, with that, uh, if you guys enjoyed listening today and would like to hear more episodes and uh, see more episodes, if you're watching on YouTube, Please definitely support the channel by following, uh, following the podcast on uh, Spotify or Apple Music or any of your other uh, podcast providers. If you're on YouTube, please like, subscribe, hit the bell icon, or comment down below any feedback that you might have. And if you or someone you know would like to be a guest on the show, uh, definitely don't hesitate to send myself a direct message on Instagram at uh, the Rico's Watches Podcast. Uh, or you can send an email directly to ricoswatchespodcast at gmail.com. Thank you and signing off.